How's sunny California there, Jimbo? Oh, I thought I was going to go home this morning. I was ready to tell you guys that we weren't going to podcast this morning. And then on Saturday, because I was ready to be on an airplane right now. And then on Saturday, I saw the producer and she's like, uh, so we're shooting with you all day Tuesday. I said, what? I said, I'm leaving Monday. She goes, uh, no, you're not. I was like, what? <laughs> oh. I got to go home. I thought, you, I thought you still had a week or two left for some no, reason. No, I, I was supposed to. Well, I was supposed to leave today. That technically, we wrapped the show on Saturday. You know, like the basic show itself. But they today they're shooting pickups with all the contestants, like bits and pieces of interviews. This, you know, they go through all the footage and see what they do and don't need. And so they're going to huh. do a bunch of pickups with the uh, like little interview pickups. And then each one of the contestants are doing internet craft things. So they're going to shoot all that today. That's why they wanted to make sure the workshop, nobody, at the end of the other day, they, they locked all the tools up. I said, why? They're like, since the show is now closing, you know, people aren't going to be here anymore. So they might leave with a screw gun or a sander or something. So they locked all the tools up so that the crew didn't steal anything. And uh, then tomorrow, well, we didn't shoot, Nick and I didn't get a chance to shoot any like internet silly stuff. And so I just assumed, oh, well, they're not going to do that this year, whatever. And so I'm going home, see y'all. And then they said, oh, no, Tuesday, you're going to do all that. So tomorrow, Nick, and I'm going to be in a couple of bits with Nick and Amy. So that should be funny. I think it's all just for the huh. internet. So that'll be cool. It'll be a fun shoot cool. day tomorrow. So who won the show? Oh, uh, <laughs> don't do it. You might slip. Did you guys happen to see that April Fool's joke on, on, the, on the Tonight Show with Jimmy Fallon? No, I don't think so. Oh, my God. I don't even want to tell you what it is because it's so cringy. You have to watch it. But now you know it's an April Fool's joke. But it's so cringy. They sell it so, so, so. You want me to tell you what it is? You probably don't care. <laughs> sure. Go ahead. You want, you want to watch it? You want to tell it? Okay. You want to tell it? No, go ahead. Go ahead and tell it. So the girl from – I never watched Game of Thrones, but this one of the principal characters from the Game of Thrones is sitting in the guest chair. And he's like – he kind of manipulates her into telling something secret about – the final episodes, which haven't aired yet. And then uh. she panics. She's like, oh my God, is this live? Can we can we edit that out? And the whole audience is like, oh. Like they think they're really getting, <laughs> and, and like Jimmy Fallon's like, please don't anybody in the audience tweet that, what she just said. Anyway, it was an April Fool's joke. But uh, that's good. One of the people on the show showed it to all of us at breakfast on April Fool's Day. And we're like, because everybody was interested in that show. I What, what is the April... Uh, Game of Thrones. Anyway, which the girl accidentally gives up a key piece of info and, and she starts panicking and almost starts to cry. She's like, oh my God, can we please please make sure we edit that out? And da, 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 da. Anyway, it was really cringy. That's funny. They did a huh. really great April Fool's joke. So you can't get me to do that. I'm sworn to secrecy. <laughs> <laughs> okay but i'll tell you i'll tell you see. one thing i can tell you is that you know i was kind of like i was kind of i was i was never i, I don't know how to, how to put it delicately i wasn't extremely overjoyed with my last experience this time it's different i'm really happy with what we got on camera and there was lots of there's really a, a whole lot of learning moments and teachable experiences especially for like maybe not for you know a lot of us but in general, real uh, amateur sort of middle America crafters, there's a lot of little teaching moments that I was involved in and a lot of little discovery moments that the contestants were involved in. I talked a little bit about it last time, but there was a lot more. So I don't know ultimately what's going to make it into the edit, of course, but 
it was it was it was a, I left it feeling really really positive about the whole experience and and the show itself is much bigger and much better than it was last season. Awesome. So there's going to be a lot more workshop Good. activity, a lot more. Like everybody was like in the workshop the entire time. So it's, there's going to be a lot, a lot of workshop stuff. So it's good. It's good. Much better than last time. And last time was a big awesome. success, you know, good as far as the show goes. We'll see how it goes. Cool. So are you, um, are you like just dying to get back to your shop and get back to normal life? Or are you just kind of well, the, 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 cool? I'm cool. You know, it's like I got to like relish in the moment of being not completely jammed up with uh you know expectations for videos and client work and stuff everybody just backed off but um the one thing is the further the longer I'm away the the more sh- the shop gets clean cuz Brett is really jamming and reorganizing stuff and <laughs> I can't only, I can't I can't tell has been given stuff away I can't imagine like what she gave away I'll never know I'll never know <laughs> they really did like a complete overhaul whenever I'm away Taylor just like reorganizes and throws stuff away and I, and I, I won't know the aftermath of this trip for months and years to come. Like I'll be like, <laughs> where is that? Where like this? This is a true story. So when we first moved into the shop, Brett and Taylor were organizing, and I have the scrapers, like a like a spatula that you would put spackle on a wall with. I got wide ones. I got skinny ones. I got ones that are an inch wide. I got ones that are six inches wide. I got the ones that are like eighteen inches wide for doing a long. So I had them all in a box and either Taylor or Brett or Brett or Taylor, I don't know who it was, decided I only needed about 10% of them. So they threw like all the extra ones into a box and just like did a random smattering of what they think I need. There was probably, what do you call those? Like spack, uh, uh, a spackle knife. There's probably about 30 or 35 different spackle knives that I've collected since I was born. And they decided I only needed like five. And they put the rest in a box to give to the guy next door who always sells <laughs> antiques over his counter. And so I found the box. I'm like, I go, how come my spackle knives are all the way over here? How come they're not? And Brett was like, oh, uh, uh, well, those are the ones that Taylor decided you didn't need anymore. <laughs> <laughs> so that's what happens to me in my life behind my back. That one, that was when I was able to uh, short circuit and get all my 35 spackle knives back. See, this time it may be that you go home and, like, there's only one computer instead of computers. <laughs> and you'd be like, what happened to all my computers? Well, Turns it's so funny because I, I, I Skyped with Taylor every day and I Skyped with her the other day. And uh, she's at my office with my big computer on watching, like, I don't know, some TV show and on my little computer doing work. So I'm like, look, you're getting caught up in the uh, having too many computers around you. Every computer's got a different app rocking on it for like whatever it is you feel like doing at that moment it's great i only need a third arm then everything's going to be easy yeah the uh these new computers you can actually install two maybe even three applications that's 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 crazy but you can't run one you need two keyboards to run each one at the same time right right (laughs) right yes there's a problem yep trade-off yep can't get around that (laughs) but of course it'll be nice to get back home You've got classes lined up like as soon as you get back, right? Yep, yep. Brett and uh, my good buddy Patrick have been working overtime getting the shop ready. And then actually while I was gone, I don't know if you guys saw it on any of the socials, but Derek, Paul Pinto, Chris Zapp, uh, uh, Chris Cash, all these guys, my little posse that is developing, they they all went over to the shop. Brett and, and Patrick, they all went to the shop and got the shop ready for the for the knife making class. 
Amerabraid is a company that makes a grinder. They sent me four grinders that had needed to be set up and wired and uh, put together, set up on tables. So those guys went there and they did. They finished most of whatever I had as far as insulation. I still need a few more pieces, but they got the insulation installed. It's crazy. And I guess asked that because everyone said, well, while you're gone, do you need help? And I was like, I kind of do. And so they all got it together and did that for me. So thank you to those guys. And if I'm leaving anybody out, I'm sorry. Just it's early morning. Speaking of, can I do a little little uh, shout out to Derek? Um, yes. He he had it was a birthday, his birthday yesterday. Last week. Yesterday he was 50, yeah. But I just recently started following him on Instagram. And I don't, I don't know why I just now got to him on Instagram. But anyway, when we were in... <laughs> Uh, Atlanta at WorkbenchCon, I got to sit down with him one morning at breakfast and have breakfast with him and just talk to him. And we talked about like our kids and family stuff and like just he's a super cool dude. Yeah, Derek's a just, great dude. I met Derek when we were guy. at um, making it two hundred, uh, making it one hundred. That's what I met Derek. He came. He was a hmm. you know, he came in to see us, and he lives in Boston. And, and we we remained friends since, since that very day. He's, he's, now he's like. <laughs> He's one of my closest friends at the moment, and he's coming. Yeah. We're going to. Uh, I'm so, I'm so confused. There's so many things happening at one time. We're, I'm going to the London British English show. What is that show called? Make Make it over. <laughs> yep, make that's it, what it's called. The London English. Make British it show. central. <laughs> make it central. It central. I'm going to make it central <laughs> with him. He was my he oh, was my uh, my date last year, and he's my date again this year. So we're going to go to making it central again. And uh, he's going to spring make with me in Cleveland, so he's cool. And 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 Derek is a great example of someone that had the the wherewithal and the wants and needs to start a channel just because he was a fan that wanted to participate, and he's participating wholeheartedly. And for some reason, he doesn't understand why one of his he's got I don't know maybe maybe I'm guessing he maybe he's got five videos up. One of his videos is 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 going viral in 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 the sense of just his little channel. And he doesn't understand why. It's just it's picking up views. It's I think it's a ten thousand views, and it's and he's he's like, are you mentioning my video? So everybody go to Derek's channel and make all of his other videos go go viral. Derek Forrester or Derek from Malden is his YouTube channel. What what is that again? His his birthday present. Derek from Malden. All right. And uh, then the day before that, there was another very special birthday. Uh, Jocko. Jocko's birthday Mm, was on the sixth. And my birthday was on the third, so thank you guys for that. Thank you. I finally got yeah. my knife. Listen to that, the silver one. Yeah. Oh, isn't that nice? You don't want to stop playing with it. I, it, it is fun. I um, it, it's got. I um, don't mean to interrupt, but it's got the cool little adjustment screws in there, and yeah. I had it so you could take it and just kind of fling it open. And I had it too loose, and every once in a while, the blade would slip out, and then like yeah. almost cut my leg when I sit down. So I had to tighten it back awesome. up. Awesome to the the normal uh, I like it really clicky. I like you have to push it and pull it. I like the real clickiness of it. That's how I have it. Yeah. Yeah. <clears throat> so did you like Jimmy, did you like my uh my birthday joke? Yes, it was very Twitter. funny. You're the oldest friend I have. <laughs> I mean like, you know, not I have many that are all uh, uh, all longer, but Jimmy's the oldest. I am <laughs> it's funny. I am the oldest person in the room more often than ever now. So I got to really I have I have several friends that are older than you. So I was mainly just a joke, but it was funny because I put that. You should in, invite him into my room, where, so I'm not the oldest ever. That's true. You should go hang out with that old guy. You go, all you old guys can go hang out together. <laughs> now, um, it was funny because like people thought that was like a diss, like I know. <laughs> on yeah. Twitter, people thought I was like coming at you, like calling you old. Like 
It's a joke, guys. No, no, I am old. It's okay. It's okay. I can admit yeah. it now. I'm Jimmy DeResta, and I'm old. <laughs> <laughs> so you did um, – I saw this week you were on Adam Carolla's podcast. Oh, yeah. I did Adam Carolla's podcast. My brother and him are didn't, kind of – Didn't you do a different another one last week I did uh, Industry Standard, which isn't published yet. That's Barry Katz's podcast. Me and my brother talk about our origin story. And how uh, I got to be on TV. Everybody knows John's story, kind of, at least in this business. And then uh, I did Adam Carolla, and then I did Tim Dahl, and then there's another podcast I might do today, or I might have to do it from New York. Uh, forget the name of it. They they asked, they saw I was here, and they asked if I would be part of it. Um, yeah, Adam Carolla was was very funny. We I my brother knows him vaguely and he has been on the show a few times and a family friend of John and I, that person's son, our friend Peter, his son is one of the producers of the podcast. So coincidentally, I've known Dylan is his name. I've known Dylan since he was a little kid. So uh, John said, Hey, me and Jimmy, Jimmy's in town. If you guys want to talk on the podcast and apparently Adam Carolla knew me. He knows, he know uh, he knows of me because the fans are always bombarding him with requests for me to be on the show, which is really nice. And he knows John. So he, he knew, uh, he knew us together as brothers for the fix it shows that we've done. And we did it. We had a, a nice little podcast. He's so efficient. It's no, like, uh, it's not like this where I'm in a it's hotel no room it. with my, <laughs> yeah, it's still making it. It's no oh, fits all for God's sakes. They, he has a, a, a cool building, like a little industrial building he owns. A couple of people asked me if I got to see his cars. Sitting there, he has a Ferrari and a Bentley sitting there that look like they've never been used. They're like covered with dust. They're in the back of this industrial building. And there's a little section inside the industrial building that has the podcast studio. And he cranks out like four podcasts or seven. He said, I think he said he has seven podcasts a week. You know, sometimes a couple in a day. And he's just, uh, uh, Larry Charles was in just before us. He's a a director. He's done a lot of episodes of Curb Your Enthusiasm and a few other famous things. He was in just before us. We didn't get to meet him because he had to kind of skidoodle out. But he came out, and then within five minutes, we were doing our podcast. And then we had a scoodle, and there was people waiting to do another podcast. So it was done very efficiently. It was fun. And a nice surprise was I did not know that Eric Stromer is his on-air partner. And Eric Stromer had a show on HGTV when me and my brother had our show on HGTV 10 years ago. So we all got to talk about like the behind-the-scenes HGTV stuff. And Eric Stromer and John and I were at an event 12 years ago. And we were all kind of like reminiscing about that event, remembering that. So it was a nice surprise. I had no idea I was going to see him. I didn't realize he was his on-air sidekick. I had heard him, and it never occurred to me that it was a person that I knew. So anyway, that was it. Hmm. But it was That's good. Cool. It was good. Adam's funny. He's always telling crazy stories. He lived the life of of a carpenter for many years before he became a famous comedian. So he has loads of experience with tools and stuff, and dealing with clients, and you know, having to just work your way through that that the idea of making things for people. So he he has a lot of experience and a lot of funny stories. Sweet. Yeah. Right on. You've been busy, California. Busy, busy. Yep. Uh, David, what have you been up to? This week, we're putting out the sculpture video and editing it right now. Really, really happy with the way it came out. And I get to stare at it looking in our our living room. I don't know. 
I can't remember if we talked about it a couple weeks ago or I wanted to get it chromed, but I ended up getting it powder coated. Did we talk yeah. about that? Yeah. Yeah, it was only mm-hmm. 50 bucks to get it powder coated, and that kind of surprised me. And it almost looks like chrome. It's it's really close. So that video is coming out today. I got um, very fortunate, and uh, I went to go visit my grandpa yesterday, and uh, his friend is a local artist, sculptor. He, he's an older gentleman. I'm not sure. I'm assuming he's in his 70s, but he's an amazing, amazing metal sculptor artist. His name is Jim Havens, and um, he took me over to his studio, and I, this Jim Havens guy, he's been collecting record players and stereos. He's very into music, too, all these years, and he wants to clear out his studio of like, these dozens of record players and st- stereos. So I helped him sell a couple, and, um, and one of them was a gem, like this Marantz 1964 unopened amplifier. And uh, and it was worth it was worth lots of money, and he didn't even realize w- what value it had, and so he was so surprised that I was able to sell this. And then he's like, "Hey, I got something for you," and and I was like, he, "Well, he asked me what I wanted. I'm like, oh, no big deal. Just let me hang out around you and absorb some of your energy and your and your skill." And he's like, "Well, I got something for you." Uh, he's like, "I have this plasma cutter that I don't use anymore," and he gave me a plasma cutter, and it's a Miller. And that's great. I, it's, it's it's only a few years old. It looks like it has no miles on it whatsoever. And I was so thankful. And and so uh, that kind of sparked the 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 metal shop that I'm I'm building. So I purchased a air compressor. Sparked. Yeah, <laughs> ah, you see what I did there? I didn't know <laughs> I was doing that. Uh, so I purchased an air compressor yesterday. I got a I, I got a bigger one to use with the with the plasma cutter, and then also purchased uh, a, a better welder. I got the I got a Lincoln. So, um, did you get the one forty? I got the is it the two ten MP or two ten M something? It's got the little screen on there for um, you put it, you dial in your your thickness of what you're using and, and oh the type MP of MP uh, MP two ten yeah that MP- that one. Yep. Oh, cool. That's a great one. And um, so that'll be here in a couple of days. And so I don't think we're going to build the metalworking shed this year because I decided to invest that money into the tools. And maybe next year we'll build that. I'm meeting with mm-hmm. my CPA and we're doing taxes later today. So everything kind of hinges around how much I'm going to owe Uncle Sam. But uh, I'm excited to really start diving in and doing more metal stuff. That class that I took at the art museum just kind of... It, that switch it turned it, it on that switch on yeah it turned it on and great so, yeah that's awesome very cool free tools are fantastic oh man it was it, it it's it's a fifteen hundred dollar plasma cutter that he just gave to me i could i'm so blown away like yeah. so thankful so that's awesome i do want to say i um on on april fools and it was not an april fools joke that i released a, an episode of makers and shakers with the intention of bringing that back and it might be a little hard to bring that back because so <laughs> oh no uh, i gotta i gotta figure <laughs> out another way to do it so jimmy i gave you some bad advice i i think a couple weeks ago you were talking about how your vlogs get lower views and i said well yeah but that's your core audience you should still make those because your core audience loves right. those and this video that i put out got 
way, way less views, like a third of my normal amount of views. And I didn't realize like that can actually hurt the business in a very negative way. Because then if I keep doing these weekly, it could, it, it brings down the average view per video, which then brings down how much I can charge sponsors. It brings down how much YouTube throws me in the recommended. So I got to figure out another way to do the wrap up mm. and not just a, just a wrap up. It needs to be wrapped around a project or a tip video, or maybe I need to throw it on the second channel, but I got to do I gotta a wrap up video it. and then put a cat video at the end. Something like I that. do. Like a cat or at the, the beginning. Yeah. <laughs> should be hosted by a cat playing the piano. <laughs> right. Now you're talking. With glasses on and the beard. Of course, that's the only way. <laughs> yep. Well, that's interesting. That'll be uh, it'll be interesting to see what you come up with that for that. I know a lot of people I saw were really excited. A lot of people thought it was a joke. <laughs> a yeah. lot of people were excited to see it coming back. Huh. Well, hopefully, you get it figured out. Keep us posted. Um. So this week we oh, so last week since we didn't record, I never I didn't get to talk about the uh, pottery wheel that I made. Um, and that was something that had been on my list for a really long time. And we just decided to finally, well, my wife started taking pottery classes and I was like, oh, finally I have a reason to actually make this thing that's been on my list. And so we built it, not having any experience about, you know, how they should work or like the speeds that they should actually be. And you can look that stuff up online, but then, you know, to actually sit down and do it, like you don't know how a tool is supposed to feel until you actually use the correct one. And so I just went for it and we got it working and we um, finished it up and everything. And I used it once as we were finishing. I was like, well, I'll just try this. Never done it before. I'll try it. And I made a bowl. Yeah. Whoa. Like, I don't know if it's right or not, but it's a thing. Like I did a thing. Right. Anyway. So we finished the video. We got it ready several weeks ago. And then last week or the week before or something, um, the girl that's teaching my wife pottery, she's like a professional potter, came over one day to try it out. And so I was kind of anxious about, you know, if it was going to be like what her response would be to it. And she sat down and she was like looking at it and she was just kind of like giving it this once over. And I'm like, oh, man, like she's going to say something <laughs> really bad. It looks really, she's like, this is, this is pretty cool. And she's like looking at the pedal and. I'm like, does it, is it like the wrong height or is it to fit around? You know, is it too big or too small? And she's like, no, it's actually, it's pretty good. So she, I asked her all these questions about specific stuff. So she's turned it up full speed and she uh, asked her about speed. Oh, and this is great. Yeah, it's, it's just the right speed. I'm like, okay, this is going well. So then she grabs some clay, throws it down on there and makes a little bowl. In no time, I mean, like in a quarter of the time that I made mine, right? she's just like, you know, <laughs> you know, and she makes this little bowl. And then she looks up and she was like, this is really good. <laughs> oh, that's <laughs> like, awesome. I want to do like a fist pump, you know, it was, it was cool to like be totally validated because uh, she, she had worked on it for a while and she had nothing but good things to say about it. So that was really hmm. reassuring. I want to say that video is a prime example of something I'll never make. I've learned so much because there are so many great little tips in that video. And then you run into some issues with like the sound and, and the, and the bearings and stuff and how you overcame that. So if anybody skipped that video because they'll never make a potter, a pottering wheel, watch it anyway, because it's full of good, good information. 
Well, I haven't, I I haven't seen it yet, yeah. but uh, a funny thing you guys don't know, in my earlier life, in another life, I worked for a crafting company in the 90s. And one of the projects we worked on, I, I might have mentioned recently, was the Bedazzler. I worked on a lot of the, the toy. I worked on all the toy versions of the Bedazzler, the that thing that everybody knows. Cool. I didn't know that. <laughs> and I also worked on pottery wheels. The same company made the pottery wheels. So the main pottery wheel, which right now, I think, if it's at Walmart right now, it's like the ancestor of the one that I worked on in the 90s because the company got sold a few times and I don't even know what the name of the company is anymore. But one of their biggest clients was Walmart. So all the crafting stuff in the Walmart toy aisle, I worked on in like 92, 93, 94, 95. I would go to China and we upgraded the uh, the switch and the motor and the gears inside of the, the pottery <laughs> wheel, that little plastic pottery wheel that's available on in the craft aisle for kids. So it's much smaller. But hmm. it was a big seller for that That's company. Cool. I did not know that. Hmm. But anyway, yeah. so we, we did the, the pottery wheel last week. And then, well, the video came out last week. And <laughs> this week, we are finishing up today, after this recording, we are finishing up a new arcade cabinet. And I told you guys about this last time off air, but... Um, we got asked to make an arcade cabinet for Mortal Kombat 11 for the new game that's coming out. So we're Same. making it for the people that make the game. And uh, so it's a full cabinet with, like, the graphics from the game on the side of it, and it's running a PS4 on the inside. So it's just, you know, 4K graphics on the screen, and but joystick and buttons and everything. It's been so cool to put it together. And it's really funny because the first arcade cabinet I made took me probably three months. I like, remember that was like a joke. We would always talk about it. <laughs> yeah, it was like a thing that just like went on and on and on. And even before that, it was a year's... And then it came out like insanely It was perfect. a year's worth of... Des- thank you. A year's worth of design and like, you know, I would... Because I was working full time and it just took a really long time. This one, like we brainstormed about it for a day or so. Uh, Josh built most of the model and then, well, he built the model, but we like went back and forth on it a lot, like picking out, you know, well, we got to change this and this and this, but still a couple of days worth of modeling. We cut all the wood in one day. We assembled almost the entire thing in one day. We put all the graphics on in one day. (laughs) Like it went so much faster and the parts, you know, partially because this is the job now. Right. And I have, it's not just me, but also having done it before, I kind of knew, a little bit better, like had a plan for, you know, if you're going to put T molding on, then you have to make sure there's enough clearance for this thing. And just little details that just doing something twice can make it so much faster. And it's funny because I don't ever do anything twice ever, you know, I'll do something one time, get through it. And then I just never come back to it again. But actually, I guess this is the third one I've done because I did a little bar top version, which is smaller, but similar in construction. And it's just funny to do something a couple of times, how much more efficient it can be um, and how much easier it is to do the second and third and whatever time. Not that I really want to start doing things multiple times, but <laughs> it was kind of interesting because it's, it's pretty different. But anyway, so that we're finishing that up today, and then we have to ship this full-size arcade cabinet to California. How? Well, sir. I don't know. Not my <laughs> problem. <laughs> okay. <laughs> You know, yeah, it's, I, it, we we talked about it on the Fitzall. They're going to come create it. But, yeah, it's it's a lot easier to ship big, heavy things than a lot of people think. As long as you can get it on pallet forks, you know, shipping, and if you're willing to wait. You know, it, it's it's only a few hundred dollars. I shipped a 3,000-pound printer from Indiana to New York, and it was four of – it was like 500 bucks. 
which is, I mean, a lot of money. But, you know, when you think 3,000 pounds, you think it's going to cost you $3,000. But they ship stuff all around the United States. And as long as they could wheel it on a dolly or a pallet, yeah. it's, it's a lot easier than you would think. I think the big thing I'm concerned about with this is just, uh, you know, keeping it safe. It's just sure. all the graphics on the outside can't be dinged up. You know, there's electronics on the inside of it. I mean, there's a TV and sound and a light and stuff, but, you know, just keeping all that stuff in decent shape. Um, and so they're going to come, they're hiring people to come create it and ship it, but they have to get it out to the West Coast, I think, this week or something. So I don't know. But that's past my the point of us doing our job, you know. Um, and then anyway, you so I'm, I'm excited to have that finished, and then the video hopefully will be out this week, but possibly next week, depending. Mm-hmm. We'll see. And we're going to have plans for it, too, because it is a little different. The old cabinet I made was unnecessarily large, right? It's, it was running on a Raspberry Pi, so it was this tiny little computer. It was 99.9% empty space. Um, and so I made it so that it could be storage, so that the side would open up. You had drawers that came out, and you could use almost all the space. This one is just an arcade. It serves no other purpose. Um, so it doesn't have an opening, but we also made it so that it can be stacked into three pieces so that you can disassemble it easier. So if you needed to move it, you can break it down into, you know, reasonable chunks that you could pick up by yourself and carry through a doorway and stuff. So kind of went a different way with the construction. Um, but anyway, it turned out great. I'm excited about it. And, uh, that was just a cool opportunity. How many times during the project did somebody yell, finish him? <laughs> a few. Right. That's from Mortal Kombat, <laughs> right? Yeah. yeah. Oh, I'm yeah, not yeah. much of a gamer. Yeah. But, all right. Finish him at the end, yeah. yeah. I was ready to finish it. When, when <laughs> I bet. Yeah. Um, so we kind of had wait, a wait, topic. wait, 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 wait. We have one wait, more thing wait, wait. to talk about. We do? The I like to make stuff training video. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> that was so good. Well, thanks. We had a lot of fun with it. Um, if anybody didn't see it for April Fools, we made a uh, employee orientation video, and it was like we made it look like it was from the '80s on a VHS. And Definitely looked like it was from 1983 with the graphics and everything. It was well done. Yeah, it did uh, tracking yeah. issues, the the tape slowing <laughs> down and speeding. It was really, really good. The music was perfect. Yeah, we had a good time doing that. I mean, it was really fun to to brainstorm because we. You know, we all, it was when 4B was here, so all four of us were in one place. And so we just brainstormed really far down, you know, every rabbit hole with all these crazy ideas. And then we kind of. It looked like it the opening of, uh, of like the Kid Car TV show. It looked like, like that, that like, kind of cheesy. Oh, Knight Rider? Yeah, 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 yeah. It looked <laughs> like what one we were of those. going for. I mean, we were going for super cheesy, like. you know, like corporate video. Um, and then Anthony edited it all together and did the effect and the audio and the titles and all that stuff. So. It was definitely a team effort to get that thing done, but it was it was a lot of fun. We had a good time, so and it got a pretty good response. There were a, a few people who legitimately did not understand that it was a uh, April Fool's. I don't know how in the world you could watch that and not think it was anything but April Fool's. But I, there were some people that just didn't get it. A few. I mean, there was a computer <laughs> so, on fire. Come on, welcome yeah, to which the internet. We actually set that on fire. What? Uh, really? Yeah, uh, we had this. Um, we had some rubbing alcohol poured on top of it. It's a black computer, so you couldn't really see it. There's a little thin layer of rubbing alcohol. And then Josh was crouched down on the other side of the computer with a little blowtorch. And so, like, 
I, I called it I because I, I was running camera. I said, hey, Anthony. And then he turns, knocks over the coffee onto his keyboard. And then that sound triggered Josh to put the fire up and catch the top of the computer on fire. And it was, yeah. I have Practical so much effects. more respect for that video now that you did that. <laughs> oh, my goodness. That's amazing. The smoke, we added the smoke later on because nothing would be smoking that quickly. But, um, but yeah, the flames are real. Oh, man. So. Anyway, so we did have a topic yes. this week, though. Yes. Uh, we got a tweet this morning from a Twitter account called Look What I Did. And topic suggestion is, what have you learned about yourself through collaborating with others? So hmm. I so- have not done a lot of collaborations with other people. Um, but uh, I wanted to see where, where it can go. I, I, I mean, maybe maybe we can expand this out of just working with others and what you can learn from others. Yeah, I'm thinking, I'm trying to remember my experiences. Of course, I did a video this summer with, with Eric from Hand Tool Rescue where we both collaborated together restoring an old bandsaw that I picked up last year when I drove home from WorkbenchCon. And that was fun. It was great. It was a great more than anything, it's a great bonding experience because by the time you're done with it, you're just like old friends, and it's it's great. And in this environment, the YouTube environment, I think it's uh, it's great because he has his thing that he has to please his audience, and I have what I assume are the things that please my audience. And watching and working with Eric in that video, I learned a lot about how to do a, a restoration video and the things that are important to him. It was really funny because I talked about this somewhere, but he started taking apart certain aspects of the bandsaw. And I was like, wait a minute, you don't have to take it apart that much. I mean, come on. And he's like, no, we're restoring it. We're fixing it and restoring it. We have to take it apart. I'm like, but wait, there's nothing wrong with that part. And it was like the most complicated part. Underneath the bandsaw trundle or trestle or whatever it's called, a, a table, underneath there's this thing that has all these adjustments in it that telegraph the adjustment to the front of the machine so you don't have to reach up and under. But it makes this whole complicated part with like, 50 different loose parts. He took that whole thing apart. I was like, dude, come on, chill. You don't really have to do that. <laughs> but he did, and it came out beautiful when he was done. And then uh, taking a closer look at his videos, how he really breaks things completely down. I would break them down to like their their core elements. I'm like, all right, that's, that's 30 little pieces in that. That's That assembly seems fine. We don't need to take that apart. But he takes it all apart. So I learned how that... that he does these things and you know there's some people with like ocd that like to watch that stuff happen so i learned that doing like down to the fine details is important that's one thing i learned but also working with people if you talk about collaborating is working with people i just spent four weeks working with 100 people and the most i think the most important thing is just to be easygoing and be open-minded and just try and no matter what it is no matter how uh, simple you might think the task is that you're working with on somebody, just always keep an open mind and to see what can you learn. I learned a lot from the contestants on the show. There's a few contestants that are in industry, different industries than anything I would ever be experiencing. And I learned a lot. I mean, it's hard to put my finger on a couple things and I don't, I don't know what I could say, but uh, the, one of the contestants draws with food and, she had a couple of her solutions drawing with food and it was pretty cool. That's all I can really Hmm. say about that, but it it was really cool. So to watch her, did she win? Uh, 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 you're breaking up. I can't, did you just say something breaking up? (laughs) 
No, but to see somebody that, you know, has like a completely out of left field profession and you go, oh, wow, I didn't know you could do that. She's in the advertising business. So that's where she was able to do that kind of, like you might think like, oh, well, how does she make money doing that? But she's, she, you know, advertising. But it's uh, just keeping an open mind, no matter who it is. Even if it's somebody you think that you probably couldn't learn something from, you could always learn something from somebody. Mm-hmm. Even if it's not like a skill, it's just picking up on their on their work ethic or their energy yeah. while they're working. Yep. Like I thought I wasn't going to be able to learn anything from from. I didn't think I was. Gonna, I'm joking. I was. Gonna, I don't think I could learn anything from <laughs> from Eric. Nothing at all. No, Eric was great. We had a lot of laughs. <laughs> the one thing I learned from Eric is just how subtle humor can be, on top of taking apart things down to the tiny screw. But how how humor is very subtle, and you don't have to. You know, you don't have to always hit a triple or a, or a double. You know, mm-hmm. you could just hit like a ground a grounder and get a big laugh. Yeah, I've only done a, a little bit of collaboration. I mean, I did uh, a couple of videos with Evan and Caitlin and David. You've done stuff with them. I'm trying to think if there probably have been a couple more that I can't think of right now. But Mark it's Roper. been something that um, do what Mark Roper. Oh yeah, yeah, did worked with Mark. Um, but it's been something that like I've never been. <clears throat> super interested in doing, to be honest, because, and I think we've talked about this before, but it generally, generally generalists don't really need each other. You know, you, you usually need somebody who's a specialist in something, right? Because they, they bring a really heavy skill set that you may not have, or like they're just better at it than you. And so when you get two people that are moderately good at several things, they don't really need each other. That doesn't mean you can't collaborate, but it's just like not as, I don't know, it's not as necessary. It's not as like dynamic, you know, where it's like I'm doing this part and you're doing that part and like together our powers combine. It That doesn't really happen so much. Um, but at the same time, like I never really thought about the way that my company has changed as collaboration, but it definitely is now. Like now every single thing I do is collaboration, because I don't work by myself on anything anymore. I mean, there have been like very rare occasions where I'll go in and just shoot a project like over a weekend or something, you know, something small on my own. And that's just me, but that's maybe happened once or something, you know. Um, But now like every project that comes up, that I come up with or somebody else comes up with, we tend to brainstorm about it together. We will take turns modeling parts, um, we will take turns buying supplies. We will, when we're shooting it, somebody will talk about, you know, like you know, Anthony will just be shooting his part, but occasionally I'll step in and say like, oh, well, make sure that you get this little angle because this matters to me. And so really every step of everything is a collaboration at this point, And it will be from now on because that's not really something you, you undo, you know, unless it goes back to just being me, which I hope that doesn't ever happen. Um, so it's kind of interesting because I'd never really thought about that. I'd always kind of looked at collaborations as a thing that I'm not super good at and I don't have a whole focus on. But your life now totally is a collaboration. Not, yeah, that's totally not true. <laughs> we started out as a collaboration that never worked out. That's true. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so we really don't need each other after all. <laughs> It's hard to collaborate when you have three three people in three different parts of the country. I think the biggest yeah. thing that I've picked up from working with Dan is I make fewer mistakes. 
So there's a, there's a there's another set of eyes. There's another pair of brains there to kind of question what you're doing or what I'm doing, and we can talk things through. And because Dan is there working with me, and he is also a woodworker and has some engineer and engineering knowledge, like he'll question what I'm doing all the time. Like, is that are you sure you want to do that? And we'll sit back and I'm like, you know what, you're right that's just you just saved me hours of work and you just made this video better so i find collaborating just eliminates errors and sometimes when there are errors that you both thought would work it's kind of like ah we 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 failed together that that was that was a fun Mm. experiment instead of just like me being by myself and failing and like ah well i guess that was a learning experience this was something that i got to share with somebody else I don't know. Yeah. That That's sense. interesting. Yeah. So I'm curious because I, I know the answer of this for me. Um, does having somebody else involved in the process, whether this is like, you know, two channels collaborating together or somebody working with you in your own shop, does that affect how you feel about the final product in a prideful way? Hmm. You know, do you I, feel like that? Do you feel like it's a little less you? Do you feel like it's, you know, you, Hmm. I, uh, when I, I when I look at the bandsaw, so. I was gonna say when I look at the bandsaw in the shop, I, I'm, I'm always I always have good memories of working with Eric on that, and I, we kind of bonded our friendship, and I think that's a good memory. And I don't look at it and say, oh, I, I wish I did this and I wish I did that. I think it was a real good collab. It was a good, healthy. He did a lot, and I did a lot. Well, so like even on a, a more consistent basis, you know, having Brett in the shop with you. Mm-hmm. Where you do like if you have to make twenty steel tables or whatever, yeah. and then Brett ends up doing a bunch of the welding or certain steps of it or certain yeah. whatever. When you get to the end, you got twenty tables there. Mm-hmm. Does it does it affect how you feel about that as like the work that I did? And air quotes the work that I did. Yeah, wasn't no, actually all. It's me. funny. It's a it's a funny question. No, I mean I guess that comes down to being just like. Uh, I don't know, confident and secure in your manhood, I guess you might say, because I know we collaborated together on a lot of stuff. And, you know, Brett could equally say, I did that as well as I did that. And it's totally, I'm totally okay with that. You know, I'm not going to sit there and go, well, I thought of the idea. <laughs> you know, I'm not going to. I did 51% of that work. <laughs> yeah. No, I, I never, you know, when that when does get complicated is when you got to split the money up. <laughs> You know, if you were collaborating with somebody like on either probably music or a TV show concept or anything like that, that always gets completely muddy, especially when you're working with like a a publishing company like a network or like a record company, because they just basically take complete ownership of it. And they're like, here, you guys could take whatever's left on the scrap table and you guys fight it out for that. You know, so when you both thought you were like 50 50 on something. That's where it gets complicated when we're just building stuff and, you know, and it's like when it's YouTube stuff, there's really no money. But, uh, you know, when it's stuff for a client, you know, I'm getting paid as a company and Brett's working for me. And but I don't take any any. uh, I I don't think any less of it, you know, if I have to say like, oh, Brett did all the welding or, or, or this one did all that or Brandon, who used to work for us, he did all the welding and grinding. No, I mean, it's funny. I never really thought of it like that. You know, it's a, it's a product of the environment I created. So I'm just proud of it from that very point of view, you know, at mm-hmm. the very least, I guess you could say. Like Bob, I mean, look at what you've created, you know, from 
from your your vlog from your your blog and to where you are now you know everything you guys do as a team is a product of what you guys of what you created you know your initial vision as it developed over time so yeah you, you got to think of it I in mean, a bigger a bigger honest, picture like, it's it it's a it's a thing that i have to i have to check myself on occasion you know because i i can look at something that we complete and be like well, I'm not going to say that's mine because I didn't do all the work mm-hmm. and that's fine. Like I don't have a pride thing in that way, but then I have to say like, did I do enough of the work when you have enough people involved in a thing, mm-hmm. you know, say we have four people involved in a project, there's a decent chance that I'm doing a quarter of the work in that project. And like from my, maybe it's not pride. Maybe that's the the wrong word. Maybe it's a work ethic thing. Did I do enough of that? to feel like I actually put in the amount of work. And I, there's, that's a huge question. There's, that's connected to tons of different things. I have tons of other uh, requirement for me, you know, like paying people and this and that. But it's just when you just look at the project or just look at a video and there's a team of people being involved in it, everybody's doing work. And it's interesting. It's maybe not good or bad, but it's just an interesting place to be to look at the collaboration that we did as a team and be like, did I do my part of that collaboration enough to, you know, to feel like I've done my work or am I the face of that collaboration? Am I the face of that thing just because I'm the one that's probably on camera? And it's just been an interesting thing to try to figure out. And I think that's a little bit different, you know, when you're collaborating with another channel Mm -hmm. because you are doing it, you are trying very hard to get both of your faces on screen so that you can get the crossover of audiences and stuff like that. So it's like, I, I don't know, there's a little different purpose in that than mm-hmm. the kind of day-to-day thing. Day-to-day that collab, yeah. yeah. I'm Definitely. just kind of thinking out loud here. I yeah. don't have a point. It's, but. it's still my vision. And I think anybody like, like Dan, even though he has, he's, he's got great ideas and he's, and he's part of the collaboration. I think it's, it's understood that, he is helping me execute my vision. And I yeah. know that might sound like a control freak type thing. I'm not a control freak whatsoever. But this this business, this channel, uh, the things that I make are, it, it starts with with this idea that I have. And then you're helping me bring this idea to life. And I will never hide the fact that other people have helped out on this project. Like we just made this sculpture. It is a purely non-functional art piece. And it was my vision, but Dan helped with with things to get me to that final step. So if I ever have a gallery show, of course it's going to be that's going to be my name on on the piece. But I there will always be, you know, on that that, that little card that's on the wall is like you know Dan was a part of this project. If that makes it's sense. funny because we talked. I don't remember when we talked about this, but we talked about art. And uh, Jeff Koontz mm-hmm. specifically, do you remember that? Yeah. Like where he's, you know, he's an, I'm air quoting artist because I don't know a lot about him. He is an artist. He runs this gigantic company with a warehouse full of people who do the work. And he may do some of it as well. I don't know. But he has an idea and then he has teams of really highly specialized people in each one of those little things that will execute that idea. And that's a different situation but it's kind of mm-hmm. similar yeah. in that, you know, he had, he had the idea and he's built up a system to help execute those ideas exactly as he wants. Even if, 
maybe he doesn't have the specific painting skill to do a certain thing. It gets back to that old question. Skill to do a certain thing. Uh, that old question created by hand or created by mind. Is there a difference? I personally hmm. think there is no difference, but a lot of commenters on YouTube certainly think there is a difference. So, yeah. you know, like I said, Bob, like, you know, this incredible video game, I'm sure it's going to be incredible that you're going to do and the video is going to kill is a collaboration of four people, but it's, you know, ultimately a product of the vision you started. So, true. you know, you're like a Jeff Koontz yeah. in that circumstance. It's just but, interesting. You know, you know if uh, people see a Jeff Koontz hmm. product and they'll be like, oh, he didn't make that. My friend John made it because he works for him, you know. <laughs> I've actually heard that conversation because <laughs> living in New York, I met a lot of people that worked through Jeff Quinn's studio. Like, yeah, he didn't yeah. do anything. Just hires people to do all stuff. I'm like, all right, are you the one who I mean, thought I- of making a chrome balloon animal 30 feet tall? Yeah. Uh, no, but I know how it's done. <laughs> like, okay. <laughs> I know two people who have worked for him, and like I would have that same kind of feeling, except I know what they did. And so they were both, they are both incredible painters, like just unbelievable painters. And it's almost a shame that they work for somebody else and they can't make a living on their own art because they are so incredibly talented. But the reason that they worked for him is because they had such, or they have such a specialized skill mm-hmm. um, that like, you you can't just say, here, random painter who has some painting experience, make this Mona Lisa you know, do the eyebrows on this eight foot version of Mona Lisa. Like you have to have a very specific skill to do that correctly. And so it's kind of interesting. Like when you look at his type of operation, that type of collaboration, because he's bringing in specific people for specific things. And those people don't do other stuff. Like they do that one thing. And then there are other people who specialize in the photography or in the construction or in the whatever. Um, Yeah. Maybe that's a, tangent and a whole different thing but um as far as like the collaborations though uh like just getting two channels together or two crafts people together it would be interesting to do more of that but i personally just i need like a good reason you know does that sound weird does that sound Mm -hmm. bad Mm -hmm. it's um it's it's so the, the the thing with uh, I did a couple videos with Evan and Caitlin, and one of the things that I've learned is you're now combining two different schedules into one. There's a lot of pressure because now there's 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 a there's a time where okay we're working three days um, together and then we split. They go back to Texas and now we have to edit two videos and we're we're trying to coordinate when we're releasing these four videos in in total and. I, what I learned was like, oh, it kind of stinks. Like, I, I work for myself, but now I have to like get these videos done t- for somebody else's schedule, you know? And yeah. there's that, 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 that weird pressure, even though those videos came out great and I'm so glad I did it and it, hanging out with Evan and Caitlin was, was fun. It just, it does take away the, the independent part of my, of my business and then puts me on somebody else. Yeah, I've been there. Yeah. I took the the class at the art museum recently, and this isn't a collaboration, but just working with that metal teacher, artist, instructor gave me the confidence that I needed to pursue a, an area of making that I haven't gone before. So now I've got experience with the plasma cutter and grinders and belt sanders and blacksmithing and, and welding. 
And now I have no problems like going into that myself at home. So maybe a collaboration with somebody else, whether it's going to be public on YouTube or just you're working with somebody else for the fun of it, is it might give you the confidence to try things that you haven't before. Hmm. That's interesting that you say that because like I'm going to uh, hang out at Jocko's shop in Italy and I was thinking this morning about like, I don't think I'm going to try to film that. Like we're going to make something. We've already talked about what we're going to make and hopefully it'll be something on his channel. But I think I just want to do that just because I just want to do it. That would just be fun. Yeah, and I'm excited about it for that reason. So I am collaborating, but maybe maybe the thing that I'm resistant to is the the filming and the uh the coordination that you were talking about like with you know getting the videos out and all that stuff cuz that sounds like a pain. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but just going to work with him, like I'm super excited about that. So maybe yeah. it's more about the the coordination and the mechanics of creating a video around collaboration that I'm less excited about yeah but yep and working outside of your environment is always a great learning experience learning how somebody else works using uh, i i'm sort of intimidated by other table saws or somebody else's tools like you go help somebody else in their shop i'm like where is the on switch like i just feel i feel dumb when i work (laughs) in somebody else's shop yeah yeah we're going to be doing a, a project very soon at Josh's house and it's like a, a built-in thing in his house. So we're going to be, <laughs> he's behind me. That's bumping. <laughs> so we're doing something in his house, which is really cool. And I'm glad that we're able to do that and he will be able to enjoy the, the thing when it's done. But that's another example of, we're going to be working in his shop with his tools, which are similar to my tools, but they're not the same ones. And so it will be a little different to just not have, you know, like I know where all of the bits are and all of the screwdrivers and everything in my shop for the most part. I know where everything is, so it will be a little weird to go to somebody else's place and just be like, I need a thing. Where's the thing? You know, I mm-hmm. have to wait to find that thing. Um, there was something else I was going to say around that, and I lost it. Also, oh yeah, as far as like the collaboration and the pride, this is another interesting one where this is a thing that he had designed for his house because it's his house, right? And so it wouldn't make sense for me to design it anyway, but he had already done the work. And so we decided to take it on as a project. And so it's kind of another level of collaboration in that I'm not really, like I'm coming to help execute it. And like we talked about it and I helped brainstorm a little things here and there, but you know, it's someone else's design in someone else's house. And I'm just kind of, executing and presenting it to the camera and uh that's not good bad or ugly it's just a different like angle on the teamwork aspect we're going to be working in someone else's shop uh and my involvement is just a different type of involvement than it typically is on most projects so like i said not good or bad it's just a different thing Mm -hmm. adjusting to the way that a team works uh as the team grows is something that's new to me Anyway, hmm. do you have any other thoughts about collaborations? Or Jimmy, you haven't said much about this. Do you have <coughs> you have some thoughts? Uh, no, I just think going into a collaboration, just like I said, you just got to keep an open mind and and always ask yourself, it, what can I learn from this joining of forces? Like I said, even if it's something very subtle or if it's something profound. And I think what we discovered in this conversation, a collaboration isn't just two YouTubers getting together. It's day-to-day life working with anybody in your environment. You know, I, I obviously collaborate with Brett and Taylor, 
ongoing and, you know, keeping and managing our shop and uh, upcoming classes, uh, working with Brett and the whole crew of guys and Patrick and, and the, the whole team that came out to, to help me, you know, they collaborated in my space and, and for that, I'm so grateful, but just, and then the whole show I just did, you know, so collaborations are ongoing. It's not just when two YouTubers join forces and how do you navigate through that? It's just, you just got to keep an open mind and, and I learned from working alone so often how rigid and uptight I can be about things. I've certainly loosened up a tremendous amount in my last, I would say at least last 10 years, kind of since since we did Dirty Money, which is going on eight years ago. Since then, like I basically let go of the tight grip I had on my shop because that was when I had 25 TV people in my little New York City basement shop for you know, three months when we shot that show. And and just, I remember just like me and Dave got the place all prepped. And the day the show started, there was just strangers in there all the time. I was just like, all right, cool, whatever. We, the net benefit is this cool TV show we're going to record. And I really did let go of a lot of like that, that uptightness that I had about, oh, don't touch my screwdrivers. Oh, that's my, <laughs> don't touch my table saw. You know, I let go of a lot of that. I wonder if, um, if this is a future topic is how do you keep an open mind? And when we, we, we talk a lot about like being open to inspiration, like just mm-hmm. going on a walk and like letting something inspire you. I wonder if there's a whole topic around that, just being open. Mm-hmm. Probably. I think <clears throat> I was thinking about this while Jimmy was talking. I think a lot of it has to do with um, how you see yourself in any given situation. Like, I think a lot of times I feel like I end up being a teacher in videos because I'm just showing someone else what I did. Not that I'm a pro at it, not that I know what I'm doing, but I'm I'm relaying information, showing somebody. And so, like, when you go into a collaboration, that being the teacher or the projector in that situation is only helpful if the other person is not that. If you have two people that are projecting information into a place, nobody's getting anything out of it. So to go into a collaboration, it makes the most sense to go into it as a student. And so it's kind of weird in that from like a producing a video, you have to be both a student and a teacher in that situation. You have to go in looking to learn, but at the same time you're creating a thing and you're showing the people who are watching the video how you did it. So, uh, Maybe it's just about deciding up front, like I'm going into this mm-hmm. to present, but also to just glean as much as I can from the other people around me that I'm working with. Yeah. I don't know. Yep. Just a thought. Yep, yep, yep. Um, all right. Well, if you guys don't have anything else, let me thank our Patreon supporters while you figure out what you're going to talk about, because I don't know. So I I'm know. definitely going last. Um, big thanks to our supporters on Patreon. Uh, especially Wise Old Dal, Evan and Caitlin, Corey Ward, Bernie Solo, Chad from Mancrafting. Oh, my list got all messed up, and now I don't have the right names. What? I'm just going to use, sorry. Jonathan Webster, Fun Kiss Artistic Creations. Uh, the names, I wanted to say the actual names. Anyway, Quinn, uh, Dunkey, BG Workshop, Caleb Harris, and Make Build Modify. And I know I said some of the names differently because I grabbed the list differently. Whatever. You know who you are. We are grateful <laughs> for you. <laughs> um, if anybody else wants to help out the show, you can go to patreon.com slash making it. 
and help us out. And even like a dollar an episode will get you the after show, which is more of us talking. Jimmy's going to tell us who won the new season of Making It this week on the after show. So be fun. Um, <laughs> there's usually secret stuff. And You're going to get me. Things we haven't You're going to get me. On here. Oh, I hope so. That would be so good. Anyway, um, if you want to help us out, we'd appreciate it. And if not, that's cool too. Uh, you can share the show or leave us a review. Any of that stuff would be awesome. <laughs> Thank you. All right. David, what you got? Okay. Before I talk about what I got, I, I want to just go on what you just said about being okay. a, a teacher or a student. I'm really into this this artist l- lately. Her name is uh, Karita Kent. And, like, amazing artist, screen printer, um, and, and art teacher. And she has these these 10 rules for her art department. She's no longer around, but I, I got this poster recently. And I want to read rules number two and three, because I think these are really important. Rule number two out of 10 is general duties of a student. Pull everything out of your teacher. Pull everything out of your fellow students. And then rule number three, general duties of a teacher is pull everything out of your students. It's just it goes oh, nice. exactly with what you were just saying. It's like absorb and and be open. So that's awesome. This week's pick is we've picked this before. I think Jimmy's picked picked them maybe a couple times, but I'm going Chucky 2009 just because I'm oh, getting yeah. the whole metal thing and I've been just flying through his videos. I love yeah, his Chucky's energy. Great. I feel like um, he he's got a he, it's it's a higher energy when he talks, but I feel like it's it's very honest, and that's just who he is. And yeah, um, I feel very comfortable watching his videos. I'm like, I just want to watch. I'd say it. Go back and just give it a little history. When I began YouTube, at least obviously I started YouTube when the channel came out, just to park my name so nobody took my name. But <clears throat> it wasn't. So that was 2006, and then 2010, 11 is when we really started doing what we're doing now. I started watching Chucky 2009. Because he had 30,000 subscribers. I'm like, oh my God, I'm never going to get to 30,000 subscribers. And I was really inspired by his energy and his just tenacious stick to And he's got videos going back to when he's like 12 years old. He's like 30 now. Like, I don't know what the math is as far as when YouTube started. But there's videos of like a little miniature Chucky 2009 talking about stuff <laughs> on his mother's farm in Ohio. So it's he's just he's like an institution on YouTube. So... Shout out to Chuck. Uh, I'm going to talk about this old Tony's April Fool's video, which is Life Hacks. I just texted you guys, and it's called Tool Hacks. And he kind of did a parody of those videos where it's just like, it's like Life Hacks, and it has like 8 million views, and it's like a hot glue gun, a paper clip, and a, and a rubber band, and you can do all these cool things with it. And so his are all just mostly camera tricks and, and total BS. They're really funny, though. And he has, like, a little soundtrack of, like, people cheering at each one and, and this annoying music. So funny stuff. Check it out. Cool. Uh, yeah, and I didn't see that one, so I'll have to check that out. Um, so mine is a little different, but you guys probably didn't. I'm not going to assume that. I will assume that. You guys probably didn't see Into the Spider-Verse, the Spider-Man animated movie, correct? Correct. Did you? Oh, okay. no. <laughs> okay, that's fine. You can act that way all you want to. I don't care. <laughs> this movie is absolutely incredible. It is, it's an animated cartoon Spider-Man movie, but it is like no movie I've ever seen in my life. <laughs> the, the way that it is animated, it just... When I was watching it in the theater, 
I kind of forgot about the story. I mean, the story is good, but it's like just watching what's happening on screen. I didn't understand it. I didn't know. I don't know how a team of people could come together to make that thing. I could see one person thinking, I have this idea for how this thing should look and how it should be animated. But getting that communicated to the hundreds and hundreds of people that it takes to make a movie, I don't understand. Um, It's an excellent movie, so you should watch it just because it's like one of those things that I think pushed film forward a little bit in in the animated world. But there's a video that I found uh, from Wired uh, with two of the effects directors about how they filmed it. And I think is thing the thing that I think is really cool about this video is they talk about the techniques and like how they used lighting to get certain things across, how they uh, recreated certain types of motion using different frame rates on the background and the foreground, stuff like this that I just I didn't know you could do or you would ever I don't know how you would think to do that, but it's a really cool video that just shows like some of the technical hurdles that they had to come over to make this thing look like it looks, which is incredible all in its own. So if you're even mildly interested in filmmaking, I think it's worth watching Mm. because I think when you watch the wired video, you actually could probably come up with some ways to make your own videos. Not now, obviously you're not going to like make animated videos, but they're using camera tricks. They're using different frame rates. They're using different lighting to get things across that are not the main point of the the thing you're watching they're like subtleties to help you know carry the the point through anyway it's very cool you should go check it out hold on uh, i'm gonna count to three when i count to three guys smile and wave one two three (laughs) i'm gonna i'm gonna (laughs) post the instagram just a picture um yeah i got i got a couple of little tv things i could mention afterwards Okay, well, let's go do the after show. Um, Thanks for listening, everybody. We will see you next week. Thank you. Love you. Bye.